it's an auspicious day because um, my uh, ninth grandchild is a Bechor. So I, my first grandchild, Avram Menashe, was a Bechor. And my ninth, Shimon Emmanuel, is a Bechor. So he's having his Pidyan Haben today. So all weekend... Thank you, thank you. So all weekend, I'm, you know, struggling with this idea of what is it about the Ben, the firstling, the Bechor, the firstling, that requires a Pidyon, a redemption. Uh, not in terms of the Halacha, I mean, you know, the Rishonim and Achronim have a, a, a machlokus about the nature of the Pidyon Aben, uh, in, in the beginning of Kedushin, what is exactly the transaction that's taking place between the father of the child and the Koyen. Some hold that it's simply a present to the Koyen, like Truma and Maisras, and the first donkey. Others, it's a matnas kahuna. Others hold that it's a real transaction. The child actually is bought back from the Koyen, meaning when the child is born, he is in the Rashus of the Koyen. And there's a wonderful statement in the, in, the, in the liturgy that actually, we don't say it, but the Sfardim say it. It's so beautiful. It says, until now, you have been in, the Rush, in my Rashus. So, and so the Koyen actually addresses the, the baby. And he says, when you were in your mother's womb, you were in the domain of your father in heaven and in the domain, the rishus of your mother and father. Now you are in my domain and I as a Kohen and your father and mother are asking me to redeem you as a sanctified Bechor. So already there you see in that beautiful Yemenite prayer that the Kohen addresses the, the fetus, the, the, the newborn child. You are in my Rishus. So, so the Gemara says that the Pidyan Aben is a real transaction, that, uh, that we are actually um, redeeming the child. We're buying him back from the Rishus of the Kohen. But I want, I want to go back to its mythic roots, because you know me. <laughs> so I started looking at where does this idea of the firstling... I mean, Judaism is very late in, in historical religion. The ancient peoples believed that the gods were entitled to the firstling, the first yield of the field, of the cattle, and the womb. And so the firstborn of the cattle and of children were actually sacrificed to them. Abraham, according to scholars, unquestioningly accepted the divine claim to Isaac, his firstborn child with Sarah, and was prepared to give up the life of his child, as was customary, according to Casuto. The Arcada, with the sparing of Isaac, showed that Judaism had, at an early age, attempted to transcend the primitive and brutal idea, according to the Torah. Having a child belong to God, however, persisted. Okay, we didn't have to sacrifice the child, but the idea that the child belonged to God, the concept was transformed into the assumption of a leadership position in the divine service. So that the priest, the Kohen, and the Bechor were all at one point identified with each other. Okay, so the, the Posuk says, of every firstborn that is born to your herd, 
You will consecrate the male to God. You will not work the firstborn ox or shear the firstborn of your flock. You and your household will eat it before God every year in the place that God will choose. So in now in the Deuteronomist setting, the divine claim on domesticated firstborn male animals enables them to be set aside for an annual feast at the central sanctuary in Jerusalem where they'll be eaten by their owners. Like in Shmos, the animal is marked for a ritual use, though here it is feasting. In either case, its Kedusha allows it to be destroyed. And these different forms of Bechorot, of Firstling offerings are not made as restitution, recompense for impurity or sin, or any other infraction. They're done in try or in trying to influence the, de the, the deity with certain carbonus, right? They have no ability to affect forgiveness or an occasion for expressing thanksgiving, but they're just compulsory. So the Pidyon Haben allows a firstborn male to be exempt from certain traditional responsibilities. And this comes not from the ancient world of firstlings, but something new that happened in Jewish history. And that is the consequence of the miracle of us, the 10th plague of the killing of the firstborn. So he's, God smites the firstborn males in Egypt, man and beast, but passes over those Israelites dwelling in Goshen who absorbed their door with the blood of Mila, Dam Pesach, Dam Korban Pesach, Dam Mila. And the firstborn son now has to be dedicated to God and perform religious services for the Kohanim in the temple. Now, it was possible to release a firstborn male from this obligation by redeeming him through the payment of five shekels to the Kohen. And that brings us to a medrash. And the medrash is very dramatic. The Medrash comes from Bamidbor Rabba, and it says, Vayihi kol b'chor zachar b'mispar sheimos miben chodesh v'mala. They were counted separately in Bamidbor, in the countings. And now the Medrash adds, Shehayu ha-b'chorot yeseirim al halavi mosayim v'shiv m'shlosho. Now, these b'choros were in excess of the numbers of the Levites. Given Shera Moshe Cain, Lo Yodamalasot, and so Moses didn't know what to do with them. Omar Moshe. Omar Li Hamokum She Emne Halavim Ve Emne Bechor Yisrael. So what God told me to do was to count the Levim and count the Bechorim of Yisrael. And he told me to substitute the Levites for the Bechor. And why? Why did he do it? The Medrash can say. So, taking the Shekel and giving the Shekel, the Yerushalmi in Shkolim, Perak Base, and the Medrash Rabbah in Bamidbo chapter 4 says, Omar Kodesh Baruch Hu. Now, listen to this dazzling Medrash that connects the Levim and the Bechorim with something dramatic. Atem. God says to the tribes of Israel, your ancestors sold the Bechor of Rachel. Rachel was the chosen wife of Jacob. Her son was the Bechor. Ze Yosef, because it says, Be'esrim Kesef. 
The Posuk says in in Vayeshev, Lamad Zaim, Genesis 37, there were some merchants, and they took up Joseph from the pit, and Joseph was sold to the Yishmaelites, the Esrim Kosef, that is, with 20 pieces of silver. So the Medrash says, Atem Machartem, you sold Joseph for Esrim Kesef. Shehem Chamisha Shkalim. Oh, Esrim Kesef. So that 20 p- is five Shkalim. Lefikach Yie Kol Echad Veechad Mikem, Pode Benoha Bechor, Chamisha Slam Bemonitori. So now, as a result of the sale of Joseph for five pieces of silver, you will now. Pode, you will now redeem, you will pay back. You have to pay back what your great-great-grandfathers got for the sale of Joseph, and you will pay it back in manetsori, in in local currency. So the Medrash for the first time, this is Medrash Rabbah, is connecting the sale of Joseph to the coins that a person must use for the Pidyon Haben. This is the first time we see it. To release a firstborn male from his obligation is a connection with the sale of Joseph. So why Levim? Why the Levim? And so the sale of Joseph was the first betrayal of the brothers against Joseph. The second betrayal occurs in the Egel Hazahav. Because before the Egel Hazahav, the Kohanim were the Bechor. Well, it wasn't Ruvain because of what he did with Bilha, So it went to Yehuda. But at the Maaseh Egel, everyone but the Levites had sinned. And so God now transfers from the Levite, from the Bechor to the Levites. That's the second point in the Medrash, in which the Levites now, of course, Kohanim from the Levites, are qualified for the special privilege. So what we've seen is there is a kind of transfer of the original ancient Near East idea of the firstling being separate, sanctified to God as priests, and then through the Makas Bechoros historically, what has happened is something dramatic. There is a split between what was the original way of doing things in the ancient world, that everything goes through the firstling. He's Hector, he's Kodesh, he's the priest, he's nearest to God. And now we've split it because of a moral turpitude, the sale of Joseph and the sin of the golden calf that now there's a split between a Bechor who is born, who is not necessarily part of the Levite tribe and the Kahuna, and therefore a father needs to redeem him in a ritual way because he really belongs to the Rishus of the Kohen. Does that make sense? So let's go a little bit deeper. I want to bring to you Rabdovid Luria. So we're going to go a little bit deeper. First of all, the Ramban writes that Moshe, in his position as the leader, established a coin called the Shekel. And the Shekel is the same used in the Gomorrah and Erechin. How do I 
evaluate a slave, the value of a slave, the value of a person, the value of a prisoner, and the value of a Bechor. It's a Gemara Neirachin, and it's referred to as the Shekel HaKodesh. Now, the Medrash tells us, and we've talked about this before, and Yehuda, you've re- written about this in, in uh, the Sorei Elofim, that Moshe Rabbeinu did not understand the concept of the Machatzis HaShekel until HaKadosh Baruch Hu took a Shekel of fire underneath his holy throne and showed it to him. This is from a Yerushalmi in Shkolim too. And the Noemeli Melech says that a lesson can be learned from the fact that it was shown to him as a fire. But before that, what was he wondering about? Did he not know what a shekel was? How is it possible for a person to give a ransom for something that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know? And why did God show him a fiery shekel? Let him just show him a regular shekel. And from that, uh, the Noemele Melech already brings us down deeper into the notion of a soul. The soul is taken from under the throne of glory, Tachas Kisei HaKovod. And that's where God took the fiery Machtis HaShekel. So the holy soul was taken from under the throne of glory so that it will learn Torah, which was taken from the throne of glory. Now, the Kotzker Rebbe has this beautiful question. How is it possible giving ordinary earthly money to the Koyen can serve as an atonement for Erechin or for anything else? So he answers that this, in fact, was Moshe Rabbeinu's question. What are you showing me a fiery Machtis HaShekel? That's beyond us. That is up there in the sky, Tachas Kisei HaGovod. What do we, with earthly money, have to do with that? And I'm going to come back to the notion of money and Pidyon later. But what he was saying is that the Kotzkareva is telling us that the answer is, I am showing you a shekel of fire because you can't just give. You can't just think you're off the hook by giving a bit of stocker. You have to give it with enthusiasm and fervor. The fire in one heart must burn with this coin. I thought that's so beautiful because we get so many mushalachim coming to the front door. <laughs> and some people go, okay, here, yeah, take, you know, here, get out of here. here. You got to give it with, with enthusiasm, you know. And so that brings me to Reb David Luria. Now, I met him. He was a Slana Mechosid and he wrote a wonderful parish called Beit Gnize, and through the 80s and 90s, when he was still alive, I would rush every time in Jerusalem to his tiny little apartment above his, like it was a two-bedroom apartment, typical in Mesharim, and then he had built himself on the porch, a kind of canopied room where he had a library of Sforim and a computer. Nothing on the desk but his computer. And I would go to him every time he had finished another safer. I have now all of this. Nebuch, he died. And he was very close with my Chavrusa Nebuch, who also died, uh, George Lassery. So in his introduction to Pidyan Aben, he says something very dramatic that takes us down a notch into the depths of what Kabbalah does to recreate the original myth. Remember, we had said we'd had this original myth of the ancient world in which the Bechor and the Kuhuna and firstlings get all the rights. 
And then it becomes demythologized through the history of Klal Yisrael and the moral responsibility and the sin of the golden calf and the sin of the Mechiras Yosef. Now, Kabbalah restores that wonderful myth. And here how he says it. The original sight, insight into the Bikurim, the first fruits, Bipshuto, Ba mimakas bechoros mitzrayim. That's historically. However, yiud b'midrash rabba kan shemavar ki avoides habechoros who miyemos olam. He says it's a double-edged sword. Yes, it comes from bechoros makas bechoros mitzrayim. Ya 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 bechor bechor. But there is brought down by our medrash that we quoted that the avoda of the bechoros, the function of the firstborn, the firstling is. Miyamos Olam, way before Torah. And then he goes through Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the whole idea of the Bechor. From the original notion of the original world, there was this idea of Bikurim. As he brings from Rav Nosanota Shapir, the Megale Amukos. And according to the Arizo, that even Cain was a Bukhor and stood to the Avoida, even though he killed Hevel. Okay. And now he goes into deep Kabbalah and says, Shahare Olam Didan. Our world is a derivative world. It's a world of tikkun, meaning there was an original world that was a catastrophic world. So this world is a fixing of that world. It's the world of Tikkun, not Tikkun Olam the way Shmagid <laughs> talks about. This world of Tikkun is a very dark world because that world was a catastrophe resulting in a dualistic universe here of good and evil. <laughs> God originally, as we know, wanted the world to be a world of strict justice, where everything is measured, where everything has good and good is rewarded, evil is punished, blah, blah, blah. But he saw that that the world couldn't exist like that. So the concept of grace, the concept of rachamim, allows the world of Midas Hadin to exist. The Hakavana that Rotson Hagavura, that the world of Din is the world of Gavura. Now let's just say that Gavura down here is everything from power to Hitler to everything that you understand as might and the power of nature and Everything that that comes to mind is what we would consider guvura. So what did he say that he's doing? This world of tikkun is an amalgam of a world that is, just think of the power of a tsunami, mitigated by this notion of grace. So then the bachor in this mythical grid, the firstling, who be Midas Hagvura, 
Meaning, the, originally, the original insight and intent for the Bechor, the firstling, comes from that world of Guvura, from that world of Midas Hadin, where everything is measured. And the firstborn, he gets twice the produce, he gets twice everything, because he is the first. So now we see in the Olomatikon that the Mida of Gevura is the outer shell and the Mida of Rachamim is the inner pulp. That's the palimpsest of everything that is reflected in a holographic way. That the pre is protected by the klipper, which protects the, the inside fruit. Because Gevura Kadma Lechasadim. Because originally, sequentially, he wanted to create the world with Gevura. He saw it didn't work, so subsequently he introduced into that world the Mida of Rachamim. So the outer shell is Gevura and the inner shell is Rachamim. So the outer shell is the concept of the Bechor. So Lochain, and this is so radical, Therefore, from originally times, the early times, from the ancient times, the Avoda should have been with the Bikurim and the Bechorim. And only subsequently, the Mitzrayim, where the introduction into the national historical consciousness through the introduction of Chesed and Rachamim does the concept of, in Mitzrayim, Pasal kol b'chorei ha'olam v'raka b'chorim shel klal Yisrael. So that idea of the ancient firstlings now gets transferred through the separation between the b'chorei Mitzrayim who get killed, the Makas b'choros, and the b'chorei Am Yisrael that become now the representative of that. And so the avoda of the bringing the Bikurim to the Kohen and the baby to the Kohen is that the Gevurot of Kedusha, the Gevura of Kedusha, not the Gevura of Tuma, should reign. We're bringing that child to transfer to the Kedusha of the Kohen Godel. Because in this world of Gevura, in the fallen world, the Gevura up there becomes the Hitler down here. I want to end with a dazzling concept of money that Reb Nossen talks about in the name of Rabbi Nachman. And he applies it to the notion of the five shekalim, the five pieces of silver that we have to give to the Kohen. And that is what? Okay, we've learned that already in Medrash, nothing new. Joseph was the Bechor of Rachel, and they sold him for Esrim Kesef, for 20 pieces of silver. So he says, like Rib Nachman, that the birthing of a child is not just the birthing of the physical body. It's the birthing of new Das. Now, Das in Breslov isn't just knowledge. It's not a Kabbalistic of Chochmah and Bin and Das like in Chabad. Das for Rabbeinu is the awareness of God, consciousness, 
But the awareness in our fallen state, which comes back to what we were talking, Rosh, earlier, and to Yehuda about the I-Thou relationship, right? Rabbi Nachman holds that paradox of that Litvisher model, of that philosophical model, that God is so transcendent, there's no way that I can possibly experience him in my life. And at the same time, he demands that we realize that there's no place devoid of God because that's what Kabbalah tells him. So we're strong in that space, that existential crisis at all times between God consciousness, meaning God awareness and God aw awareness of the non-God in the world. And so he says, The purpose of us in this world is to bear and develop that, that paradoxical notion of Das. When was it born? When they came out of Egypt. That is when this God consciousness was born. So, when a person is born, we have to We have to bring the new child to the Kohen. What does that mean? The Kohen isn't the Kohen, the child isn't the child, the Bechor isn't the Bechor, to quote our rabbi. It is through this ritual of the Pidyon Haben, the redemption, this transfer of money, this redeeming from the Kohen, what? The Kohen is Oive Bebeis Amikdash, which is the Ikahe Oras Adas. The Kohen serves in the temple, which is the seat of Das. And so, Therefore, by bringing him to the Kohen and redeeming him, what we're doing is we are saying that we are ready to instill into this child Das. Now, what was the problem? The problem in the Cheta Egel was that the Shvatim came out of Mitzrayim with great Das. The Das was born. It was filled with them. What did they also come up with? They made a mistake with Yosef, by the Mechira of Yosef. They sold him for 20 pieces of silver. So therefore, going out of Egypt with that Das, there was a Pagam in that Das, because they had come out with all the wealth of Egypt. So they're coming out with all the money, and they're coming out with the God consciousness. And what happens at the Cheta Egel? They jettison the Das of God, or the belief in Moshe as the Kohen, and worship the silvers. And from that he weaves this amazing notion that Pidyon Haben is a return at some level of the Tikkun of Ashirus. For Rabbi Nachman, Ashirus is the biggest problem. He wasn't a Marxist. He didn't believe in the distribution of wealth. But he felt that money in this fallen state was a pollution of Das, which goes all the way back to selling Moses, Yosef. They could have just given him away. They sold him for cash, going through the Medrash in which we now have to repay for the sale of, of that cash, going through the Ashiras that we came out of Mitzrayim with all that cash, to the Egel Azov, to the worshipping of that cash that pollutes us to this very day, even influences our presidential decisions over the saving of life. And the tikkun of that is 
Tikkun Cheta Egel, Bechinus Tikkun Mechiris Yosef, Kolzeh Begam Heoros Hadas. All this is a is a flaw in God consciousness that prevents us from living in that paradoxical state of divine awareness. So we've come a long way from the ancient world of Bechor through the Kahuna, through the redemption of the firstborn, all the way to Chasidut and the notion of the world of Tikkun. So through this Tikkun Pidyon Aben, we should all be zocher to understand the impediments to our spiritual development. Thank you.